Does being a GP partner still make sense? Why do some GPs choose to become a partner rather than being a salaried or locum GP? What are the pros and cons of being a GP partner? On today's podcast, we hear from some new GP partners who answer these questions and more. And these new to GP partners are all on the Medics Money New to GP Partnership course. This is our flagship course, which will teach you the essential financial and business aspects of being a GP partner, such as understanding the accounts and the key financial metrics that will increase profitability and deliver the best care to your patients. So the first cohort started in October and it sold out and we currently have 50 new GP partners on that course. But because the course was so popular, we are running another course and the next one starts on February the 16th. The course is online and you can join the live sessions or you can watch up on catch up on the replay. As well as the live teaching sessions, we have lots of bonus content and we also have an exclusive online community where you can interact and work with your fellow GP partners and ask us and the experts a question anytime. So if you do want to come on the February cohort of the course, it's starting on February the 16th and it's already 50% sold out because we had some people on the waiting list who couldn't fit on the first course. So if you do want to come, you need to head on over to www.medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course or I've put the link in the show notes below and if you do know anyone that might benefit from that please let them know that they need to head on over to medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course. So Helen do you want to introduce yourself to the Medics Money podcast listeners and tell us a bit about why you became a partner? Yes hi um, I'm Helen Kirby Blount I'm a GP and a GP partner in North Nottinghamshire and the reason I became a partner um, was, well, firstly, it felt like a natural progression from my position in the partnership, in, in the practice. I'd started as a trainee, become a salary GP, then became a trainer. So partnership seemed a, um, a natural um, progression from there. Um, but I was also really, it really appealed to me to have a bit more control over my destiny in the practice and about what, how the practice ran. Um, because I was, although... Salary GPs were involved in discussions about train about changes in the practice. Ultimately, the decisions were made by the parks behind closed doors and um, being a bit of a control freak that I am. I think I quite enjoyed the prospect of having more say and be able to shape the what, the direction that the practice was going in. So that was the main drive for me. But I was also intrigued by the prospect of running my own business and the exciting different directions that could take you in. Yeah. And you're obviously on our, our course for new GP partners, which is teaching you how to run your own business. I mean, did you get much business training before that or not? Not really. We had the odd session. It's a half day release doing um, sort of virtual practice things. Imagine you've just taken over a practice. What sort of things you've got to consider? But it didn't go into very much depth. Another reason I joined what I did is because there's a couple of really experienced senior partners in the in partnership, and it felt natural to sort of join now so I can learn from them before they retire, rather than taking over as they're retiring and losing all that wisdom. So yes, but certainly doing some extra training on finances has been really useful. Yeah, hopefully the course is helping you with that. Now you mentioned that you're a trainer. But you did not mention something else, which is fascinating to me, which is that you have written a book with your mother and your sister-in-law. Is that right? Close. My sister-in-law and her mother-in-law. Tenuous links, but yes. Uh, we, we wrote the um, complete CSA case book 
for trainees. Um, yes. And we are shortly going to be releasing the second edition, which is the complete MRCGP casebook, which is more of an RCA slant on it with the exam changing. I really want to talk about writing a book later because that is so cool. And I'll definitely put the link to that in the show notes. But David, I mean, you've had a few different roles as, as well as being a partner. I mean, how does partnership compare to some of those roles? Uh, so I'm David Hindmarsh. I'm now a partner in my probation stage for the first I'm sort of about three months into my probation stage there at Eagles Cliff Medical Practice which is just sort of on the outskirts or just in Stockton so just a bit south of Middlesbrough so smack bang in the northeast I left the military so I left the army in August of this year so I'm about three four years post qualification and then had to have a complete life change basically for want of a better description and then the partnership came up early part of this year, just as I was looking to try and really take back control of my own life and then basically jump for it and thought nuts to it. If I'm going to do something, I want to do 110% into it. And really, you know, the only option in primary care to do that is to be a partner. And thankfully, massively landed on my feet in terms of a in terms of the practice, really loving, really family sort of centered practice and you know, two, three months in, it's all going superbly well. So, and it's only two miles away from home, which is marvelous. Yeah, definitely. Short commute, definitely an advantage. So you had some other roles before this. I mean, how do they compare to being a partner? So it's very, so I was a, my last one was the, as a regimental medical officer. And so basically I was looking after a team of about, you know, 12 personnel where effectively you're their line manager, you're in charge of their training. You're sort of a bit of everything all rolled into one, coupled with having to look after a regiment. So as their GP, which is effectively about three, 400 people. And so you end up doing a lot of extra stuff and also wearing that officer hat as well, which is it's difficult to balance. And you sort of end up getting pulled between the medical center, which is, you know, I was based out of Catterick, which is a huge garrison town, which has sort of got a population of around sort of 10, 11,000. So sort of would be familiar to most, you know, people in terms of the practice size, but the additional workload that you're expected to churn out and the risks and the risk management that the military expects you to do is just a completely different ball game. It's interesting then taking that into a, you know now into a civilian environment where I see a lot more patients which makes me a lot happier and they are not pre-selected you know if you imagine you're generally I was dealing with what 90% male 18 to roughly about mid 40s the oldest I would say is mid 50s and so it's a very very different patient population to what I see now so that I've had that clinical learning curve as well as the business learning curve as well which has been challenging to say the least so hence why I jumped on the course because I thought right I'm going to be honest about this I need all the help I can get yeah so. and uh, hopefully we're delivering you've also failed to mention uh your YouTube channel oh I'll put well, a link to well, in below. wait right but you've got two YouTube channels because you've got your GP one right yeah I was looking around the other day <laughs> your other YouTube channel is my favorite sorry because it's about trains I love it like oh, one, brilliant. when that locomotive uh, go past my son was loving it well, 
<laughs> so, so I've got two GP templates, which are combined with, or which focus on sort of primary care education across all channels. So, you know, I've done a couple of reviews of this and you very kindly interviewed and that's all gone out. So thank you very much. So that's all, you know, as you say, very boring when it's compared to trains. So my <laughs> ability to look after my then three-year-old, now he's four, and trying to entertain a four-year-old during lockdown has been very difficult. But thankfully, he's obsessed with trains, as am I. So, And we've got a loft, which I managed to chuck a train set into. And I don't have any lies in my marriage, apart from how much money I've spent on the train set. And even then, it's sort of like, it, you know, keeps everything ticking along nicely. So there'll be the odd eBay package that sort of drops through the doorbox. And it's like, who's this for? It's like, oh, it's for Patrick. Yeah, yeah it's not for me. It's not for me. So yes, and, that, and that's P&J Trains, if anyone's interested. So J for my daughter, Josephine, as she will, will be getting into trains as well, whether she likes it or not. I've subscribed. I love it. More <laughs> close-up locomotives, please. It's like really cool when it rumbles past. Okay, and we're also super glad to be joined by Dr. Hussein Gandhi, uh, Gandalf, who is a seasoned pro at this, so I'll let him introduce himself. But Gandhi, I want to ask you, because you are a seasoned pro, I want to ask you about the pros and the cons of being a GP partner, because you've been a partner a while now. Sure. Thank you, Toby. So first of all, for those that don't know who I am, so saying Andy, I'm a GP in Nottingham, partner, trainer, PCN clinical director, digital lead for in various different roles. And also I do lots of other work with other companies. And partly that's to do with my EGP learning stuff, which is how I met Tommy. And yeah, through that, we have a podcast, a YouTube channel and various other things that I tend to do. So, you know, the portfolio GP is the, the kind of the, the new term for GPs who do lots of things. I'm probably the portfolio of portfolio GPs with a number of hats. More people know me on social media through my moniker of Dr. Gandalf um, and that lovely avatar that I still haven't and I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of. But when it comes to partnership, uh, part as I said, and as I started, partner is kind of my first role. It's the thing I spend most time on apart from the odd week where probably the EGP learning stuff does take over but yeah it's it's an interesting role and it's one I've always wanted even when I was in GP training you know I was really well supported by my trainers and, and they kind of recognized that you know partnership was where I wanted to be and it didn't take long to be honest six months after finishing I, I was looking for a partnership and was lucky to find one back in my hometown because that's what made partly one of the reasons why I moved back to Nottingham and I've loved it ever since. You asked me about the pros and the cons. Okay. So the pros is if you are working in a good practice, the support and the harmony that you can get from that is amazing. You know, there really is something for being part of a supportive and effective team and having that ability to change what you can, because people think that partnership gives you control. It doesn't give you complete control because we obviously have several of the masters that come to us, you know, things like NHS England, CCGs, that kind of stuff. But actually, it still gives you the most control, I think, out of all the other roles in terms of what you want to change for your day to day, how things work, how things run systems. If you're, if you're a systems person like me, absolutely, it's a, it's a big thing. I think the cons. So, so there's some like global cons. So, so the big one that everyone always talks about is the liability. That's probably the biggest con. It, it's also the partly a pro. It's the reason why you have the pro of the fact that you've got all that in effect, control and responsibility, but it can easily become a con if things go the wrong way. And unfortunately, we know that sometimes that can happen in general practice nowadays. 
I think the other thing as well is if you don't understand the finance, because if you don't understand the finance, unfortunately, you can be looking at the end, end of a very poor year because you've not kept your hand on what's happening. And so, you know, the way to prevent that is to understand the finance, which is why I'm so glad I know Tommy, because he helps me understand a lot of this more than he probably realises, to be honest. But absolutely, you know, those are probably the two biggest cons, I would say, aside from which is a pro, again, how well you get on with your team. You know, if you've got a good team, it's great. If you've got a dysfunctional team, okay, you need to work on that. Otherwise, it's going to become very unpleasant. But yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's awesome. You're being very modest, but this Medics Money podcast wouldn't exist because I sort of saw Gandhi's podcast and what he was doing, and I never thought I'd be broadcasting to thousands of people, but he persuaded me to. So thanks for your help with that. It's been invaluable. Now, one thing that I hear a lot from female GPs is I'm going to be a salaried and then once my family's done, I'll be a partner. And I think, well, I mean, it's up to, it's a personal choice, but I wonder if Helen, you wanted to jump in on that because you're doing it all and writing a book because I really worry that people are put off partnership because of having a family and the two aren't compatible but i think they're very compatible but (laughs) helen what would you say to your female colleagues about partnership and family i think don't be scared of it i think for me i've i realized that salary gp with cough responsibilities and also being a trainer that i wasn't doing a significantly less amount of work than some of the partners were and so had an open and honest chat with the senior partner about what 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 extra responsibilities I might be expected to take on as a partner and realise that it's probably not that dissimilar to what I was already doing. So I thought, well, I may as well get um, the extra financial benefits of being a partner and the extra other things about having more of a say and be able to guide the direction of the practice. And so I felt, well, actually, why not just jump in and just do it? Because otherwise you could just put things off forever, can't you? Just just wait till the children are at school and I'll wait till they're at secondary school or wait till they've gone to university. You can put things off endlessly. Everyone's situations are so different. I'm lucky they've got supportive family who can help with pickups and drop-offs and stuff. But I think overall, um, you may not find that partnership is significantly different from being salaried. It has some extra responsibilities, but depending on what you're doing already in your practice, you may find that there's not a huge amount of change. And Actually, if you've got a supportive team and I, I still get to leave early on certain days when my husband's not around, if as long as you're open and honest with your team and you, you do longer days some days and shorter days than another, you can, you can make it work. I love that that mindset. I think, you know, that's what they call the growth mindset. I think, you know, it's, it's a personal decision. It might not be right for everyone, but I think you're absolutely right. And actually I found, so I've been a salaried, uh, a locum, uh, GP was a special interest. And although the hours are probably longer as for all, for me as a partner of all of those roles, this is most flexible. And like you say, if you're in a supportive practice and one of your kids is ill or goodness, you know, goodness forbid coughs and uh, needs to go for a PCR test, you know, it's, it's a very supportive environment. So I think, yeah, that's really, that's really great to hear. I mean, one thing that everyone's mentioned is how important the finances are. And obviously you're preaching to the converted there because that's why we started Medics Money. But I mean, why, why do you think, you know, GPs don't really talk about money. And I know, David, you, you said um, that you've been especially benefiting from the course so far. But, you know, mm. why do you think we don't talk about the money and what can we do to change that? Because I think if, as Gandhi said, if everyone understood the finances better, it would lead to running, you know, a much more, I mean, feeling more in control. Yeah, I, 
I think certainly for me, so military-wise, money wasn't really an issue. So there was no business bit beforehand. So if I wanted a bit of equipment, as long as we had got it on the shelves, I could demand it and it was there, likewise with any sort of drugs that I needed. So actually coming into having that, well, actually, if you demand something and it goes to waste, that's your bottom line taken out. And that's been a real steep learning curve from that way. We don't talk about it, probably because we're all British and it's all, it's, you know, people's wages and, you know, people's perception of general practice as a whole being, well, if you listen to the media, you probably cry, but sort of being overpaid sort of puts people off uh, from talking about it, which I think for the first bit as well. And then you know the as we've sort of all alluded to the actual training that we get as an as prior to sort of qualifying is few and far between basically you've got to what get 20 questions right on administration for your akt and that's pretty much it you know there's no sort of time put at looking at the actual business side of it and and that's where i struggled actually when i was looking for something to help with right i don't understand i know this was a big unknown unknown or known unknown for me what is there out there? And there's not much really. And sort of, thankfully, I follow Gandhi on YouTube and then sort of saw the advert for this course and thought, thankfully, it's all sort of aligned up together. But then when I sort of took a step back and had a look around, there's even it's one or two other things, but not really to the same depth and knowledge. So yeah, we just need to keep talking about it, get it throughout all the way. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a gap as well. Obviously, you are all GP partners, and it's great that you're on the course and benefiting from that. But I think there's a gap, uh, a big gap before that, you know, so there's people listening to this podcast, who might be GP trainees, and they they are not taught anything about this. So they have no idea about uh, partnership. And it's just another barrier to people joining a partnership. And I strongly believe that partnership model is the best way forward. Now, Gandalf, you are the king of tech and if you haven't seen the egp learning channel it's just so insanely useful so in our course we have a private group where all the course participants can interact and it's really great i love i love the group and in there i was referring to some way of booking appointments online using a system one link gandhi you made a video on it so you've made a video on everything but if you were to give those listening some productivity (laughs) hacks apart from subscribe to your youtube channel you know, give me some productivity hacks for GP partners because our time is is busy. Okay, so first one is simply make sure you've got a decent communication method within your practice. So it's really basic, but you need to talk to each other. So whether that's Teams, whether that's WhatsApp, whether that's, you know, whatever it is, just have a decent communication route that is, you know, effectively the partnership, you know, team itself. And email is not that route. That's the first thing I'm going to say. If it's email, you need to change it because email is a crap way to have a discussion. And actually CQC even like that, you know, so you'll get a little tick from CQC whenever they come next to to invade you and, you know, assess you and all that kind of stuff and things. So definitely have a look at a decent communication method. Just important to remember that the only one that is patient identifiable, allowable is Teams. So you can't use WhatsApp for that. Second thing for your own personal sanity, have a password locker. You will not be able to judge how much it will make your life easier and especially as a partner and and the reason why i say that is a lot of these password lockers are ridiculously secure ways of keeping digital information and sharing digital information that's not on all of our other weird systems and stuff and the reason why that's really important imagine if your practice manager was suddenly not around okay how are you going to access all the accounts to pay the staff 
how are you going to access all the different accounts that the practice manager knows about things like CQRS and all those kind of stuff. And it's a situation we never want, you know, but what if that happens? What if just for some reason they're not there and you can't do any, you know, your whole business is just kind of gone. So you need somewhere to store that information that's secure, but also shareable to the right people. And that's where passive lockers can be really sensible and really useful because then everyone can see the relevant information of how to do stuff and things. And for your own personal side of things, I would highly recommend that you look at those as a way of keeping your family accounts and all that kind of stuff, you know, secure and things. Because, you know, if you are ever in that situation where you need to access people's things, appropriately obviously don't want to be you know stealing other people's money and all that kind of stuff but you need to know how to do it and that's the easiest way to update it so that it's shareable and accessible to the people where it's sensible and things so, so that's my two quick little hacks that will make your life so much easier as a partner specifically in general practice i'm just I mean, I've got the most amazing practice manager, but I'm definitely going to find out those passwords that you just mentioned because, yeah, our practice manager is amazing. We're super lucky, but uh, I have no idea what those passwords to those things are. So, David, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you learned quite a bit on the course already. We're only three sessions in out of 11. Now, we only have room for 50 people and you have one of them, David, which is uh, great for you. But for those that aren't on the course... What have you learned so far that you think could be useful for? For me, it's got to be, it's just hammering home some of the stuff that I think people know already that the partnership to make it work needs to be a marriage and actually going into it with that sort of level of seriousness has sort of been really sort of useful from that point of view. Bits for me, because I'm the IT lead for our practice, actually from our first session, nailing down the Google business account has been a godsend. So we actually had a duplicate account on it because they, we had like health center and medical practice and it was separate. And I was like nuts to this, engaged with it. And that's been really useful, especially now that we're taking probably our social media a bit more seriously, which has been wonders for feedback with the staff. So I've used it now as an active listening tool to all the reception staff. So if they, and I've said to them, like if you are repeating the same information or same questions twice, I want to know about it and we'll put a post about it. And so we'll try and mitigate this. And it's worked wonders when our wonderful, wonderful leader dropped his lovely news story on Sunday night and we had heard nothing about it. And I had one of the reception staff message me over Facebook saying like, Dave, I'm absolutely bricking it for Monday morning. What can you do? And then, so we'd set up, you know, this daily we haven't got any extra boosters, please use the government website or 119. And actually it's worked dividends because you're having that upfront, making sure all the patients are fully aware and engaged through the community that way, it, it then worked. We've had the odd couple of people try and be cheeky and sort of, you know, try and sneak in. But I think actually that stopped the massive tidal wave of, you know, a Monday morning busy becoming unfathomable really from that way so yeah my sort of key takeaways from that way yeah awesome and i think gandhi said you know one of his top tips was improve communication within the team which i definitely agree with but one of the things that gandhi has helped me with massively is communication with our patients you know if we can communicate with our patients better by and and i was skeptical about the value of facebook but our practice facebook page is one of the best things that we've ever done i should say that i don't do any of it but it's been so good to communicate with the patients in these difficult times and also counter 
some of the nonsense narrative that is coming out at the moment. So I think if the patients know just what we're doing for them and, and when by communicating mm. with them better, I think that could uh, help a lot of a lot of people. So yeah, mm. that's been super helpful for me. Now, Ke- Helen, you said mentioned about your book. I'm intrigued about you writing this book. So how did you get into it? And also, you know, you're a trainer as well. So how do you balance all that? With difficulty sometimes. I think well, to get into the book, well, we, my, it was my sister-in-law's idea initially, and she signed me up. And then because her mother-in-law, this was had already written a book, uh, which is an AK consultation, we thought we'd ask her for some help and expertise as well. So initially, Emily and I wrote most of the material and they got Liz to, to help us with it. And she had contacts with publishers already through her previous book. So it was it was fairly straightforward, actually. And quite, it surprised me that they sort of snapped their hand off with the with the idea that we had and um, go forward with it. It was it was quite a lot of writing. I did um, most of it on my first maternity leave. So there was a lot of editing of book stuff in the middle of the night during feeds and things where I had nothing better to do. And it just it just grew from there, really. I think it, it is a bit of a pressure doing it when you've got deadlines um, and other work and things to do. But I've been, I feel proud of it and I've enjoyed doing it. So it's, it's something nice to look at and sort of real piece of something that we've done and people have heard of it as well which is really quite nice (laughs) so yeah it's something I feel very proud of and yeah looking forward to the next the next one coming out um this month I think it's supposed to come out awesome Uh, send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes below I'll drop the links to Helen's book below David's YouTube channels I definitely we've got to get both in there David the train thing's awesome (laughs) and of course Gandhi you sent us out a link of like your most you know, useful content for GPs. Can you do that again or not? Or should I just put the link to your channel? Yeah, can do. No problem. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to catching up with you on the next session of the Medics Money course, which is coming up soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.